you, Jesus. Okay, I want to, um, I'm going to read the scripture this morning. How many of you guys are going through emotionally healthy relationships right now on Wednesday nights? Wow, like two of you from first service. Well, praise God. Well, listen, when you get a chance, you will love it. It's a fantastic part of discipleship, embracing uh, rhythms of walking with Christ, contemplative spirituality. And one of the things that we do that really is the secret sauce um, that's been a part of, has been a part of the church since, since it began, David said at one point, he said, be still and know that I am God in that, in that, in that beautiful psalm. Be still and know that I am God. How many of you guys have noticed that uh, we live in a frenetic, endless, entertain-you-to-death age of distraction. Anybody notice this? Yeah. And so the counterculture to that is that in Christ, we find rest. He, one of the things he says is, I will give you rest. Come unto me, you who are heavy and weary, and I will give you rest. I will not put a yoke upon you that's ill-fitting and heavy. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. When we come to Christ, he gives us permission to enter into rest, knowing that he has done what we could never do. And part of that is actually a rhythm of silencing ourself and silencing everything else to be aware of his presence. I've heard many times from many people in this, in this season, especially in the last like 10 years, because it's actually, I hear it more now than I used to hear it, and it's a lot of people that say, I don't ever hear God's voice. I hear people talking about hearing God's voice, but I don't hear his voice. And, and they're concerned because they're like, I'm a believer in the scripture literally says, my sheep hear my voice. And they're like, ah, I don't hear his voice. Does that mean I'm not one of his, the good shepherds, that I'm not one of his sheep? Well, here's the great news. Many of us actually never take enough time to be still and silent to hear his voice. He would literally have to break through our Bluetooth speakers that are connected to our phone that's endlessly podcasting and giving you news and giving you music, or he would have to break through your constant swiping. You would have to break through your Netflix account. He'd have to break through the on and on and on. Amen. Are you guys with me? He'd have to actually interrupt your yappity yap listity listening to everything else in order for you to hear him. That sounded meaner than I meant it. I, I was kind of, I'm like this with myself. Sorry, I'm loving you like myself and it's not that nice. But he would have to break through our distracted lifestyle. That's my point. I wasn't trying to throw stones. <laughs> it just sounded mean. Will you forgive me? I don't want to be snarky. I want to be helpful. But we are not in the habit of quieting ourselves. And making room to hear the Lord, to hear our own soul. And so that's been one of the rhythms that Emotionally Healthy Relationships teaches us, is to take some time, two to three to four times a day, and actually silence ourselves and become aware of his presence again. How many of you know he's always with us, though we oftentimes don't know it? So all of that is an invitation, because what we're going to do is I'm going to read this scripture and then we're going to just take one minute and we're just going to silently let ourselves become aware of the presence of the Lord. And Lord, of course, you are already here. You are welcome in this place. Help us to be more aware of you, Lord, the center of it all. The scripture today is James 5, 7 through 11. I'm going to begin by 
reading it in the uh, message. Sorry, curveball, Tyler. Um, I'll just start reading it. Meanwhile, friends, wait patiently for the master's arrival. You see farmers do this all the time, waiting for their valuable crops to mature, patiently letting the rain do its slow but sure work. Be patient like that. Stay steady and strong. The master could arrive at any time. Friends, don't complain about each other. A far greater complaint could be lodged against you. You know. The judge is standing just around the corner. Take the old prophets as your mentors. They put up with anything, went through everything, and never once quit, all the time honoring God. What a gift life is to those who stay the course. You've heard, of course, of Job's staying power, and you know how God brought it all together for him at the end. It's because God cares, cares right down to the last detail. Let's take a moment and have a selah a moment together. Amen. It's so good to be together with Jesus, isn't it? He really is the one thing that we have completely in common. Every one of us is joined because of the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit. When we center on Christ, it causes us to align together in a way like nothing else can. And it's so vital that he remains the center for us. And, and truly he is. But isn't it incredible how as we look at him, we see one another in a way that we just can't when he's not the center. That we're able to walk together in unity in a way that we just can't when he's not the center. And as we know in James, he's calling us to stay together and do the work of the gospel, the work of extending the kingdom. And James, is, he's, he's saying to us as the church, listen, here's how you stay together to do the work of the ministry. Because you guys know that if we don't stay together, we don't have a message. Because Jesus said that they will see your love for one another 
and they will believe that my Father sent me. Jesus prayed for us, Father, I want them to share in my glory that they would be one as we are one and the world would know that you sent me. And that's what we're doing. But that can only work. That only happens when we make Jesus the center. And it's so easy, isn't it? Jesus plus anything instantly makes it something other than the gospel of the good news. In Christ, all things are reconciled. But even if I make reconciliation the main thing above Jesus, I don't get reconciliation and I lose Jesus. Justice is found in Christ, but if I say Jesus plus justice, I lose justice and I lose Jesus. Because it's not Jesus plus anything. It's in Christ all things. Can you receive that? So today, Jesus, I pray that you would cause us by your Holy Spirit to center on you. You're the center. You're the center of it all. God, we just repent right now, Father, of anything that we've put ahead of you. Whatever hat we've put on, Lord, whether it's a Trump hat or a Biden hat, a social justice hat or a racial reconciliation hat, whatever hat we've put on, Lord, we take it off and say, these things will only come to pass in Christ Jesus. There will be no other plus that I add to you, Jesus. Lord, help us with this. It's so easy for us to pick our favorite parts of the kingdom or superficial things that will come and go and make them more important in our hearts and relationships than you. And we ask that you would give us the grace to repent and the grace that we need when we repent. In Jesus' name. And so James is saying to us in verse 7, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. He just said patient three different times. I don't know if you guys noticed this. If you were going to put a, uh, a headline over this message, it is all about patience. It's all about patience. And aren't you guys glad that we serve a God who is patient? <laughs> I, I think of that often. I feel like I'm a special gift to all of you for how God deals with an exceptionally stubborn, foolish person, this guy. And then I just get to share all of my mistakes with you, and you can learn from it and hopefully not have to make all those mistakes yourself. Did you guys know as believers, one of the things that we get to share the most with the world is a people who are completely dependent on God and therefore willing and able to be wrong about things and just say, oh, I was totally wrong about that. I am so sorry. I'm so glad we have Jesus. What does he have to say about it? Did you guys know that the good news that we share with people is not that we're right, but that Jesus is right? And in fact, sometimes the good news is how many things we were wrong about and how right he was. Do you know how beautiful that is in this day and age when everybody else is just spending most of their time commending to you how right they are in their opinions? It's good news, isn't it? That we can go, oh, I don't have to be right. I want Jesus to be right. Let God tell the truth and let every man be a liar. That's a scripture. I want you to breathe a sigh of relief right now. Oh. I don't have to be right about everything. I need to trust that Jesus is right about everything. 
The good news is that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and he is restoring all things. Amen? So as we're in that place, we begin to say, okay, well, what are my expectations? What are my expectations in this world of seeing God's kingdom come and his will be done? Of staying together and doing John 17, preaching the good news of the gospel to people. What are my expectations? You guys know that expectations truly shape so much of our world. In fact, I read somewhere recently where it said that, um, that uh, oh, that's what it was. It was in emotionally healthy relationships. That upstream, or upstream of most depression are unmet expectations. Most depression and discouragement is coming from unmet expectations. So you guys, expectations are pretty powerful because if I expect something's going to happen and then it doesn't happen, what happens? I get super discouraged. Have you guys ever experienced this? It's really frustrating. It's like, I really thought it was going to go like this and it went like that and now I don't know what to do. Well, James is giving us a really beautiful clue here about expectations. He says this, be patient, therefore, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits. You and I need to have an expectation of waiting. There's a key. He continues, for the precious fruit of the earth being patient about it. You and I have to have an expectation of being patient for the purposes of God to come to pass until it receives the early and late rains, and you also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Establish your hearts with an expectation of waiting patiently for the Lord. Now, you'll notice in this, too, that the, the example that James is using is that, it's, is that we also are to establish our hearts for the coming of the Lord, for the things that the Lord's doing in the Lord's field. How many of you guys know that you are Christ's workmanship? You guys, you and I are the workmanship of the Lord. He's investing in us. So just turn to your neighbor and say, you're the workmanship of God. Yes, so when you're looking at other people, that's, that's a big thing, expectations. Number one, I have to wait for the crop. Just say that, I have to wait for the crop. Okay, and whose field is it? It's his field. I have to wait for God to bring about the fruit that he's bringing about, and guess what, guys? Only he can do it. The expectation that you and I can speed up the timing of the Lord is going to wreck your life. How many of you, do you are you guys with me? You guys are so quiet today, I'm like feeling a little insecure. Should I be feeling insecure right now or is it just really interesting? Okay, good. Just pray for me, Joshua. Be patient with Joshua. He still has insecurities. I thought I was over it, but here I am. Be patient. Be patient with me. I'll be patient with you. We're the workmanship of the Lord, and we cannot speed up his timeline. There's a scripture, another scripture that I didn't bring up for you, but it says this. Don't consider his slowness in coming as though he is slack in keeping his promises, but rather it's his kindness that he would, that none would perish. He's desiring to give more people more time because he desires sons and daughters to have opportunity to choose him. So we have to understand, it's the workmanship of God. We are on God's time frame. 
And so in this, that changes the expectation of what's going to happen. It changes the expectation of what I'm going to expect from you. I, I, uh, I'm going to stay with my notes. I'm going to stay with my notes. That's a good idea. I, um, I was talking with uh, Jonathan Nallen. You guys probably know Jonathan Nallen. If you don't, I'll give him a quick. He, he wrote a book called Managing Your Metron, uh, Faith in $5. He's one of our missionaries. He um, worked with CEO Global sharing the gospel. And many of you have gone to China with those teams with university students in China. And um, he's just worked all over the world. And he has a very cool ministry. And he and I have a weekly call. And um, uh, a couple weeks back, we were having a weekly call. And Jonathan shared with me uh, two things. And I want to share them with you because I felt like, yes, this was for Jonathan, but this was, this was a good, for, good word for us. You know, sometimes somebody shares something, the Lord's like, listen to this, this is for you. He had a dream. He was walking in his dream through a field of wheat with Jesus. First of all, Lord, I have a, a desire and a jealousy to have dreams where I get to walk in fields with you or anywhere for that matter in my dreams. Anybody else want in on that? Lord, we are signing up for that. So he's walking with Jesus through this field, and Jesus is walking through this wheat field with him, and he is talking to Jonathan about the parable of the wheat and the tares. And you guys are familiar with that. It says that, that, that the kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted wheat, and an enemy came in and planted weeds with the wheat, the tares, and when they came in and everything sprouted up, then the, then the workers saw that there were tares in with the wheat, and they said, shall we go in and pull out all the weeds? And the farmer said, no, let them both grow up together, because if you tear the, the, the weeds out now, it'll damage the wheat. I'm going to let them both grow up together. Then we'll, pull them, we'll, we'll harvest everything, and we'll separate the wheat from the tares. We'll separate what is, what is righteous from what is wicked, what is grown by me from what is grown by the spirit of the world and the spirit of the enemy. And we'll separate them at that time. But in the meantime, let them both grow up together. You guys are familiar with this parable. So he's talking to him about that. And a few days later, the Lord said to him, this is a time to practice extreme forbearance. I want to talk to you about those two words. When he shared it with me, it just, my heart just, whew. How many of you guys, well, let me just say this. Okay, first of all, the word extreme means existing in a very high degree. Going to great or exaggerated lengths, exceeding the ordinary, exceeding the expected. To go to the highest extreme, exceeding the ordinary or the expected. So extreme, and then forbearance. Well, first of all, the, you know what the word forbearance means? It means patience. Patience and forbearance are the same thing. Extreme patience. The next thing that, that forbearance also means is a delay in enforcing rights or claims or privileges. When the bank gives you forbearance, they have a right for you to pay them back the money that they owed, but they give you forbearance and say, you don't have to pay it right now. That's, that's with money. When you and I give each other in, uh, forbearance, then we say, okay, you, you are not treating me real great right now, but I am not going to demand of you um, what you owe me, I am just going to love you like Jesus loves you, regardless of the fact, okay? So there's relational forbearance. But it's a delay in enforcing rights or claims or privileges. And listen to this second part, which is super interesting. Good-natured tolerance of delay or incompetence. 
<laughs> extreme forbearance, good-natured tolerance, good-natured tolerance of delay or incompetence. How many of you guys think this is a good word for us right now? Think about the life that we've just lived together for the last almost 18 months. Think about all the things that have gone on. This is such a good word for us. James is, this is such a prophetic word in James, and this is what James is talking about. But I want, I want to tell you that, God, I believe this is a word for us, and I, I want you to remember this word. I want you to remember the scripture more than the word, but I think this word is sticky, because now is a great time to practice extreme forbearance. It is to practice a high degree of good-natured tolerance of delay. An extreme, uh, a, a, uh, an extreme forbearance in enforcing my rights or claims or privileges. Why? Why? Because God is doing something right now. When we went into 2020, I had no idea that we were about to go through everything that we went through. And we know this. We know this. It is written... God works all things for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purposes. That doesn't mean that all things that happen were his will. How many of you guys know that? But it does mean that in all things, he'll still work it to the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. He is working in his field no matter what the enemy sows into the field. God is still working and will bring about his purposes in the earth. Nothing can stop him. He is the Lord. He is Jehovah. He's the creator. He is in charge. And he is sovereign. When, he, when things go beyond what, start to try to go beyond where he says, it says he looks at the plans of the enemy and he goes, <laughs> oh my, <laughs> I already know what I'm going to do, but that is hilarious. Good one. Good one, Satan. Nice try. He, he is not going to let his plans get sideswiped by the plans of the enemy. He literally laughs at the plans of the enemy because God already knows what he's going to do. So the big picture, we are always safe in him, but we are always subject to the will and the way of God. Are you guys seeing this? So we're coming into 2020. I have no idea. We have no idea that we're about to have all the craziness with the election, all of the things that came up in the area of, 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 of racial reconciliation. We had no idea we were going to see all the situation with COVID. None of this stuff. We had no idea. But as we're coming into the year, there were two things that the Lord spoke very, very clearly as these things began to happen. Very, very clearly, he said, I want you to know that I am humbling everyone. Everyone. Lord, thank you that you're humbling all of them. He said, no. <laughs> no, I'm humbling everyone. And you guys, you know that's good news because he, he, he resists the proud, but he embraces the humble. And when we humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, he will lift us up. But he said, I'm humbling everyone. And I would say, we're seeing that, aren't we? We're seeing that. We're seeing so many things, but he, that was the first thing. The second thing that he said is he said, Joshua... He said this to us as, as leaders, he's, and I, I brought this to the leaders, and it seemed good unto them and unto us that the word of the Lord was this. I want you to be open-handed. The world is demanding allegiance and division based on superficial binaries, 
demanding that you make a choice. You are for me or you are against me. You are with me or you are apart from me. You agree on this or we can't be together. You're voting this way or you're voting that way. If you choose this, then you don't choose me. There are these false divisions that are being called for in the world, these allegiances that are being called for in the world, these these absolute binary, everything is wrong or right. And, And based on how you answer, and if you use the wrong word, canceled. You you see the spirit of the age is calling for division. But we are called to the kingdom of heaven. And in Christ, we are one. In Christ, we are one. And we in Christ are given the opportunity to exercise extreme forbearance because of what Christ has done. And James, he's teaching us about this. He's saying, listen, be patient. Be patient just like the farmer is because God will bring the crops. It's interesting too because when he says, uh, he says, uh, be patient as the farmer. He's being patient about it till it receives the early and the late rains. Who brings the rains? Only God. Be patient because only God can do what only God can do. So don't be Divisive. Don't call one another to, to, to accounts that God himself is not calling them to. Make room for God to bring about the crop that he's bringing about in each individual and in us as a people. And so he said, be open-handed and do not force people into making binary decisions that I'm not calling for to divide you. And I want to report to you something beautiful, guys. Christ Center, as a, as a church, we have navigated this together in a way that has been exceptional. In talking with many pastors, this has been a very divisive time. And God has been kind to us. And God has helped us to navigate this without forcing each other into these Satan-designed, divisive, false binaries where we would separate based on these things. We're supposed to disagree, by the way, but we stay one in Christ. We're called to stretch and challenge one another. Iron sharpens iron. God doesn't demand agreement. He demands unity in Christ Jesus. Our message to the world is that we disagreed about some things, but we stayed together in Christ. We have no message if we divided because we disagreed about superficial things. And praise be to God. Praise be to God. He has sustained us in this time. We have, we have and we are continuing to walk that out. How many of you guys feel like it's been so easy? Yeah, not one hand goes up. It has been challenging Number one, being humbled doesn't feel super great, right? It, I mean, how many of you guys have been humbled this, this year? There's a lot of stuff where we're being humbled. And how many of us have had to make a decision? Am I going to take the bait of this divisive binary, this false premise of I have, to, I have to be with you or against you? I have to part from you or stay with you based on how you answer this question? And, and when you were in it, you're going... Oh my gosh, like half of me wants to. I want to leave in a, in, a, in a righteous huff to show you how right I am. But then the other half of me goes, something is off here. This doesn't, this doesn't seem right to me because we're one in Christ and you're here. So obviously you, you, you did well. <laughs> you're still here. 
We're still doing John 17. But this is what we've been dealing with. This is the spirit of the age. Satan comes to kill, to steal, and destroy, and he does it by dividing us. Our message is our ability to walk together in patience, in extreme forbearance, and making room for God to do what God is doing. I guarantee there's not one person in this room that knows everything about what's going on in this season. And if you do, you live in a very small universe. But God knows exactly what he's doing. And we're each playing a part. And we're each engaging in different ways and places that, that I believe God is in. Now, we challenge one another. We'll work those through. That's not what this message is about. But we do it together by walking as James is telling us, be patient, therefore, till the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it till it receives the early and late rains. And you also, be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Verse 9, do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. I have been taking so much comfort in the fact that God is a judge. That, that he's like, that he's a good judge. When, you know, at the end of it all, whatever he says, everyone will go, yeah, that, that was totally just. No one's going to be like, I got a raw deal. No, everyone is going to go, oh man, that's, that's totally just. I was 100% reliant upon the life and death of Jesus Christ, and it's by his grace and his mercy that I am saved. And every good and perfect gift came from my father, who is unchanging and did everything well. And I have nothing but gratitude and humility. You're a good judge. And those that reject Jesus, the good judge will say, your will be done. And he'll let them reject him. And we'll go, wow, he's not even forcing them to change their mind. He really is a good judge. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, verse 10, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. And you've heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you've seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. You and I have to have an expectation that we will have adversity in this life. We have to have an expectation that we will wait patiently for God to form Christ in fellow believers. That, it's, that we are his crop, that he's working. We have to have an expectation that we get to fight real spiritual battles in this life that result in serving alongside people who don't even love God yet and demonstrating forbearance, patience, kindness as we demonstrate the kingdom of love through what we suffer. You know, I, don't, I, I actually think we probably don't talk enough about suffering because it says we will share in his glory. What's the second part of that scripture? Say what? If indeed you share in his suffering. You guys, following Christ means that I choose to feel pain that I could actually avoid. If I'm just living for me, I only have to feel like one amount of pain. But if I'm living for me and God's purposes, now it starts to involve you, and now I have to care about you. And so when you do something really stupid, it actually hurts my heart. That sounded not very, I'm, try, I'm trying to learn how to be nicer. 
I just do so many stupid things, I assumed you guys do. I have to share in his sufferings. I have to be willing to be misunderstood. I have to be willing to be talked bad about because God's being talked bad about. I have to be willing to be rejected and considered ignorant and narrow-minded and whatever else the world wants to accuse God and his people of right now. It's part and parcel to what we're doing, but here's the great news. As we continue to love like Jesus did and lead like Jesus did and serve like Jesus does, then what we do is little by little, God brings a crop of righteousness and extends his kingdom and extends it and he extends it and he extends it and we make disciples of all nations little by little on and on and on but if I have an expectation that it's just going to happen man that's really discouraging because guess what it doesn't just happen and so he says listen I want you to be patient and again he's telling us I want you to stay together. This is all about James. He's saying you guys got to stay together to do this work. And and he and he says on uh, verse 9 he says don't grumble against one another brothers so that you may not be judged. How many of us have made it through this year without grumbling? Like seriously raise your hand. Red will give you $100. Yeah, not one of us. I mean, this is like, we are all like, oh, Jesus, please help me. How, how easy, I'm sorry, Levita will, oh, <laughs> Dick, Dick raised his hand. Good thing I didn't say I was going to give $100. You're suffering for Jesus, Red. So, so here's, the, here's the thing. We, we cannot grumble against one another because when we're grumbling against one another, what we're doing is we're actually taking the bait of Satan. We're taking and we're beginning to use our words and instead of moving together forward, practicing patience, knowing that you are God's workmanship, you are God's workmanship, Holy Spirit will work in you. And so I, I, what I do is I appeal to you to look at Jesus and look at the scripture and consider that maybe part of what you're doing is wrong. That is, that's love. But what I don't do is then say, and if you're not for me, then you're against me. Did you, did you guys... I had a conversation with Melody the other day, and she's just completely on the wrong side of history. Oh. Like, seriously, I don't even know if I can worship with her. I don't even know how she can call herself a Christian. I saw what she voted, and I see the part of what's going on in this world that she cares about, and that's, she has prioritized my number four as number one, and so, I mean, how can she even call herself a Christian? You guys get it, right? I mean, I'm, I'm on the side of, you guys want to be on the right side of history with me or you want to be with Melody? <laughs> Satanic talk happening right there out my yap hole. That is the fire of hell coming through my mouth, judging and accusing my sister in whom God is working, bringing the former and the latter rain. That he is forming Christ in and through my sister in this world because he actually cares about all the priorities that we all together carry, care about. And he's working, and he brought her to champion a priority that for me, I'm probably not going to get to. So together, Jesus is working on it all. Can you guys, can you guys receive that? And it, it's, it really is this simple. And what, what's so vital for us is we have to take on that same spirit of Christ to understand, I have to practice patience. But here's the, here's the trick, guys. Number one, it's a choice. So we have to be willing. We have to say, okay, Lord, I'm going to do what you said. So let, let, let you tell the truth and let every man be a liar. If there's something in my life that doesn't match that, I'm the one that's wrong. It's not you. But here's the second thing. Apart from him, 
we actually can do nothing. This is not possible without the Holy Spirit. One of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is patience. We cannot have patience apart from the Holy Spirit. Apart from the Holy Spirit, we cannot have patience. And this is an area, this is so huge, self-control, fruit of the Holy Spirit. Kindness, fruit of the Holy Spirit. Faithfulness, fruit of the Holy Spirit. Against which there is no law. This is such a huge thing for us. And so I want to I wanna end with this. Um, I had a whole nother second half of this, but it, it's just so good. Go read the scriptures for yourself. The Holy Spirit will probably tell you better than I would. But, but I, I don't want to leave without making room for us to receive from God through the Holy Spirit the thing that the, only the Holy Spirit can bring. If you and I have been in a place, if today as I'm preaching this word, then the sword of the Lord, which pierces, it says it's a two-edged sword, piercing our hearts, the very motivation of our hearts, showing us what they are. And, and, I, and, if, and I know that we're under conviction right now to go, Lord, where are these places where, where I have done this? Where, where I'm, I'm having a very hard time exercising extreme forbearance with leaders who I think right now are bringing delay and incompetence. Lord, I'm having a hard time uh, saying anything good about this person. I, I can't even pray for them because I don't know what to even point at. It's like, oh, then I need an upgrade from Holy Spirit to help me to do that because it's supernatural to do that. It's natural for us to land in a certain place. I'm not saying we don't engage, but I'm telling you the spirit that we engage with makes all the difference whether or not we're operating in the spirit of the world or the spirit of God. And we have to, we have to operate from the Holy Spirit. We're the example of how people who disagree about temporary things continue to move forward about the eternal things to bring the whole kingdom to the whole earth through the whole church. That's only possible through the Holy Spirit. And James is telling us patience is a massive part of this. Because if I'm demanding today what God actually intends to bring through you in 10 years, how many of you know that's going to be a problem? If I'm demanding today that this nation looks like what God actually has scheduled for where it's going to get is going to take 10 years, that's going to be a problem. But in Christ if I'm willing to suffer with you until his purposes are accomplished, that's a whole different paradigm, isn't it? And then I'm not going to grumble against you and say, it's your fault that we're 10 years behind schedule. I'm going to say, no, you belong to the Lord. You're his field. And I'm going to pray, Lord, bring the former and the latter rain. <laughs> and we're going to pray together. Can you guys receive this word? All right, so here's what we're going to do. Here's the action step, and then we'll... Well, here's the beginning of the action step, and then we will, we will head out. But who here would say, I need the Holy Spirit to give me extreme forbearance? All right, I want you to just stand up if that's you. And I want to, we're just going to ask him. He said, just ask, ask. If you need it, then just ask. And if you didn't raise your hand, but you still want to stand up, he's super generous. Just, you know, let him pour on. I want you to just open your hands up because what we're saying, this is surrender. This is what I, what I need, I do not have. 
What I need, I'm going to have to receive from something outside of myself. I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. Certainly not smart enough. But luckily, you love me. So let's just pray together this. Holy Spirit, one of the fruits you give is patience. And I need that patience. I invite you into my life, Holy Spirit. You raised Christ from the dead. I ask that you